When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. Welcome to Hacks and Jacks, the fantasy baseball podcast. I am Joe Galina. And as always, I'm joined by my buddy, Scott Chu. What's going on there, Scott? How are you? Oh, not too bad. Not too bad. I'm uh, I am simultaneously doing dad duty and the podcast today. So uh, really putting my skills to the test. The only two go. things that I'm possibly OK at. <laughs> uh, I love the the uh, T-shirt you're wearing. I tried to surprise you with my own little tie dye here. <laughs> Just to show you that, you know, you're not the only fantasy analyst who wears you know funky clothes at times. Uh, I remember when we were at, uh, when we were at tout, right. Uh, I, I was wearing this, you know, my, one of my classic blue dinosaur shirts yes. and, uh, the comment I got from the comment someone made, uh, you know, from, from another place who didn't think I could hear them. They were like, who's the guy in the pajamas? <laughs> <laughs> Cause they definitely look like kids pajamas. Like, like I, I tried, I often describe my look as like, if Carter's had a men's section, <laughs> Like that's most of my wardrobe. Yeah, with feeties, hopefully, right? With the feeties. Oh, that would be great. That'd yeah, be great. Yeah. That would really. That's why you don't have to wear shoes. And... I, I well, I get I get pushed a lot. I'm like, oh, do you have matching socks? Because I do have a lot of outfits with matching socks. But uh, but if Carter's could just bake those in, you know, yeah. make a men's section, that that would help me a lot. There you go. So, so that's an interesting uh, shirt that you have, and uh, I, I don't want to talk a lot about it because this is only an audio only. But lots of little splashes of different colors. I, I love it. Yeah, it's actually um, it's it's technically like a pride shirt. Like mm-hmm. you see these a lot at like pride festivals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like I, I actually got it. <laughs> the original reason I bought it is actually because, um, before I tore my ACL, my, what I would do in my free time is play soccer and I'm a goalie. Mm-hmm. And the most annoying thing about being a goalie is when you wear a Jersey, that's the same color as the other team. Cause yeah, then they make you wear like a gross penny or something. Right. So I just started wearing like, you know, multicolored uh, yeah, yeah. t-shirts like, this way, you know, I, I like to think my of myself as an ally. So, you know, it's mm-hmm. like I, I don't mind wearing, you know, I, I wear some of the pride stuff, but also, right, like the other teams don't wear paint splatter colors. Or like, <laughs> right. I was like, you can't wear the same color as me as if, if I'm wearing all the colors. Right. So what right? you need so, to do is take a picture of yourself and, and post it to Twitter and put a link to our podcast. This way people know what <laughs> we're talking about. Uh, but uh, I don't know. You, you're talking about Tout Wars. Actually, uh, I'm a, a little nervous because uh, I, I, I'm playing Ariel Cohen, who has a juggernaut of a team. And I'm actually, it, it's the head-to-head points league, and I'm beating him right now. But he's got three pitchers going today. So, by the way, we're, we're recording this on Sunday the 30th at a, almost noon Eastern time. And had a really good day yesterday where I had Hunter Brown going, who uh, won, and then uh, Bryce Elder, and my offense was humming. You know, uh, Zach Geloff. We we had spoken about Zach Geloff previously, and uh, you know, I read your column, your your hitters list, and uh, you were talking about him as well. That you were a little surprised uh, that uh, about his contact skills, right? And uh, so far, you know, three home runs, six RBI. I know the batting average isn't that great, but uh, 
you know, what's your outlook on, on Geloff now that we've seen him for 13 games? Well, like, you know, I'll preface by saying 13 games isn't necessarily a long time. But sure. uh, with Geloff, I think we're actually I, I, so, you know, number one, I don't know why I continue to underestimate this, but the Oakland A's will run every single chance they get. So he's yes. got five stolen bases already in 13 games. I mean, he's he's not like a speed demon. He's just got some speed. I don't expect it to stick around for that long. Mm-hmm. But uh, he does have five steals. He will likely continue to steal if he gets on base. And that's going to be the thing. So Zach Geloff has some pop, has some speed, uh, and then the A's will sort of exacerbate any speed that you might have. But the ratios are going to stink, right? Because Geloff, number one, he does strike out quite a bit. Uh, I was hoping maybe he'd walk a little bit more. He was walking 13.3% of the time in the minors this season over in AAA, only walking at about a league average rate uh, in the big leagues. And I'm not sure it's going to get a whole lot better than that. Uh, Just because walk, you know, I always talk about how strikeout rates tend to go up when you come to the minors. You will often find the strikeout rate or walk rates will come down a bit simply because pitchers in the big leagues are better at throwing strikes than they are in the minors, right? So uh, you know, I think he's not going to be someone that's going to help your ratios right now. He's hitting 235 with a 304 EB, uh, OBP. And quite frankly, that's probably about as good as I would expect it to get over any extended period of time. But again, there is some pop and speed here. So, I mean, he's someone who maybe in a full season could be like a 15, 15, 15, 20 kind of guy. You mean uh, his 37 homer, 62 stolen base, 162 game average isn't accurate? Uh, I I mean, I, it is like it's accurate as uh, in terms of what we've seen so far. As of July 30th. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think uh, it, it's hard to I mean, obviously projecting in the future is hard. Very few projection systems even try to do it. Zips will do it a little bit. You can find those over on fan graphs. I don't tend to use them very much, but um, it does sort of one thing I do find in it is that uh it's still, I think, having a hard time projecting stolen base totals going forward. But it also only projects him to play about half a season. But yeah, so I think that he's like a 15 to 20 home run, 15 uh, to 20 stolen base guy. The problem is simply going to be playing time. It's nice that he's he's one of the few players that it's actually probably better that he's in Oakland. Oakland is a terrible place to hit. The supporting cast is bad and is unlikely to get better soon. But one thing they do have is plenty of playing time for young guys. And it doesn't matter if the ratios are bad because they're the A's. They don't have other guys to come in and take mm-hmm. this work. So uh, Zach Giloff is someone who, again, not someone terribly exciting. I think in 12 team leagues, he's a streamer just barely. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that he's hitting second right now helps a lot. Right. Playing every day and hitting second gives him his best chance to be useful because that means more stolen base opportunities. Mm-hmm. Uh, it means more at bats. Um, he's not someone I'm looking at in a points league because he just he's not that good at making contact. Uh, he doesn't walk, so he doesn't get on base that much. But in categories leagues, roto leagues, there is use here if what you need is category juice and not ratios. Mm-hmm. Okay, good stuff. Uh, so, like I said, I'm playing Ariel Cohen this week. Has a juggernaut of a team. Great guy. I got to meet him in, in our uh, in person draft, and so I'm hoping I could hang on. But he's got three pitchers going. And I don't. I have one. I have Graham Ashcraft. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. But are uh, you not confident, Joe? You're not confident uh, uh, with Graham Ashcraft. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know he's had his moments. You know he, he started throws off it really uh, 
throws it really hard and yeah. has a tendency to be too hittable. So, uh, yeah. you know, he's rough. I will say last thing, uh, Ariel Cohen, he's one of those guys that you talk to him for about five minutes and you realize how much smarter he is than you. Uh, if, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> if you, if you get the chance, he's got a great podcast. It's called beat the Absolutely. shift. Um, one, yeah, you know, one that I, yeah. Uh, one I love to recommend. Um, yeah, he, he's a heck of a guy. So, uh, if you, if you're into things like first pitch, Arizona, or, you know, our own pitch con here at pitcher list that that's free, uh, he almost always gives some kind of presentation about how to sort of make some, you know, basically use numbers to your advantage. He'll talk about how to, you know, how to make spreadsheets that can be very useful. He'll talk about a lot of those things. He'll talk about projecting cause he is the one who runs the ATC projection system. It's mm-hmm. called ATC cause those are his initials. Uh, but so, so he's someone that I think, uh, you know, I, I really appreciate what he kind of brings to the table. Uh, not that you shouldn't listen to us too, but uh, so Ariel, Ariel's really awesome. But I also want to talk about the fact that it's a points league. And something I get all the time is we don't talk enough about points leagues. And I get a lot of things like, well, there's not enough articles about points leagues. There's not enough advice about points leagues. And I, I know I've talked about this before, but the biggest problem with points leagues is that none of them are the same. There, there's, there's heart. Nobody uses it. There are standard points formats and nobody uses them. Right. Like people, people always, I mean, people mess with their people don't, when you're in a roto league, you rarely change categories, right? Like at some point, someone might start suggesting like quality starts or K per nine Mm -hmm. or net stolen bases or safe plus holds in points leagues. They, they fiddle with stuff every season. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. they, they fiddle with. So, uh, just to tell you, because you're in a points league, I, I think the, Best advice I can tend to give points league players, uh, two things. Number one, DFS advice is points league advice, right? Because DFS baseball is points league baseball, right? Mm-hmm. It tends to play towards a lot of the same things. Yes, it's on a day-by-day basis, but uh, you know that kind of analysis is actually what you're looking for, especially in the shallower ones where you can stream. Look at the DFS articles. It's a great way to get some advice on points leagues from folks that are really digging into the game-by-game action. Number two with points leagues, Learn how to use an auction calculator. We have one that we have in the uh, in draft season. Fangraphs has a really good one uh, that you can that you can use. If you go to Fangraphs, you go to their projections. The very last thing in the list is auction calculator. You can set what projection models you want uh, to use. You can set your points settings. So, like, if you have minus one for strikeouts, you can put that in there. You can have two points for a walk. You can have one point eight three points for a hit. You can do whatever you want. You can set those and just run the projections. That'll give you a good idea of like what kind of players to target, right? Um, Compare it to what you already have. It's one of the hardest things is points leagues because they're so different. Because when I give five category advice, a lot of times it doesn't necessarily matter for a points league, right? Like mm-hmm. I get a lot, you know, people will tell me you're not high enough on Luis Arias. I'm like, well, I'm not doing points leagues rankings, right? So like in a points leagues, doubles matter. They matter mm-hmm. a lot more than than they do in categories leagues because in categories league, a double only matters in that it makes someone slightly more likely to get a run scored and slightly more likely to drive in runners. But if they don't get a run and they don't get an RBI, the double only adds batting average or OBP. And it doesn't give you more, right? Maybe if you've added slugging, there's a little bit more value. But, but a double is a good example of something that just doesn't matter. In a points league, a double is often just as good as a single and a steal or a walk and a steal. In a categories league, it's not even close, right? You'd much rather have the walk or plus steal than the mm-hmm. empty double, right? right. It's not close. So uh, that's why it's so difficult. So again, if you're in a points leagues, in a points league, 
generally speaking, look for players who make a lot of contact, low strikeout rates. Walk rates are cool, but they actually don't matter quite as much as the low strikeout rates. You want a ton of balls in play. You want guys to hit high in the order. So that's why, you know, Zach Geloff isn't someone I love in points leagues because he strikes out too much. But while he's hot and hitting second, there is mm-hmm. some intrigue there. Uh, just be ready to cut him at a moment's uh, at a moment's notice. Mm-hmm. But you know, so like that's that's I generally use them to the approach. Replace Tim Anderson. <laughs> so I'm feeling <laughs> who, more, co- who, yeah, more who finally hit his first home <laughs> right. run of the season earlier right. this weekend. Right, right. So I'll take yellow. Off. I, I, now I know me, why I, he hit the home run, Joe. You cut him. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So so. Uh, my man Co- uh, Ariel Cohen has Luis Castillo, Dean Kramer, and Trevor Williams going today. Like I said, uh, pitching wise, I have Graham Ashcraft, and, and you were making fun of him, but two point one ERA in his last five starts. So uh, who knows? Twenty two strikeouts in in thirty innings. I was hoping that the strikeouts would be a little bit higher his rate. But yeah, anyway. he's he's a hard he's a hard two seam guy. So he has yeah. all this velocity, and you don't see the strikeouts. It's uh, it's sort of like the super budget version of Dustin May. In mm-hmm. a way, and that he has like a similar kind of like approach in terms of the hard sinker, but it doesn't make the strikeouts you think it will. And then the command disappears. He leaves too much stuff up and then he just gets wrecked. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we're not a pitching podcast. So let's talk about the trio of uh, home run hitters that came back from the brink. Scott, you think that you'd get uh, to do a podcast with me this week and me not talk about Aaron Judge? Come on. First home run pass since he's back from the IL on Saturday night. Like I said, we're recording this on Sunday, June 30th. Still showing uh, that excellent plate discipline. I was surprised he actually played the field on Saturday night. Uh, So far, three for six home run, three walks in his first two games back. And it's a shame he missed all that time because he's on a 60 home run pace based on a 162-game season. We also had... Jordan Alvarez also back from a prolonged stint on the IL so far, five for 11 for 55 BA batting average. Also hit his first home run on Saturday night since being activated. And uh, we're going to be talking a little Mets too, but Pete Alonso, uh, he's been hot lately. And you mentioned in your uh, hitter list that, uh, you know, that, that risk seems to be a little bit better now, uh, batting 355 with four homers, 10 RBI in his last eight games. But, uh, you know, you could talk about any of those players I mentioned, but it's got to be hard on a player's psyche, like uh, Mets players, when your your team basically is thrown in the towel the way the Mets have uh, so far, the, you know, as as we approach the uh, the trade deadline. Yeah, it's tough. You're, they're six in a game. They're six and a half games out from the, from the wild card, and it's a very competitive wild card in the NL. I think yeah. it would have been very difficult for them to to go into it. So, you know, I, I think the pieces that they're moving, like Max Scherzer, uh, one they got a good return. I, I mean, I think uh, an an older pitcher like that bringing back a guy like Luis Angel Acuna, who. Uh, you know, for fantasy purposes, he's not coming up this season, obviously, but he's someone that could be like a like a 15 home run, 30 stolen base guy in, in his peak years. He's not mm-hmm. a huge power guy. Uh, it's hard to say exactly how the ratios will go, but I do think he's got that power and speed to go with it. He's not Ronald, right? Uh, he's mm-hmm. younger brother of Ronald Acuna. He's not him, but mm-hmm. he is a you know I think he will be a valuable piece, and that was a good piece for them to Where get. Where do you think they're going to put him in second base eventually? Because they've got Lindor locked up at short for a while. I think he's a short stop second base outfield kind of guy. What you, yeah, what, it's it's hard to say because they've also got Ronnie Mauricio they're trying to find a place for right now. Yeah. And and mm-hmm. I thought he might go to second base. It's really I'm not sure what the Mets are really planning to do with this middle infield. Mm-hmm. Uh 
especially if Jeff, Jeff McNeil ever looks like Jeff McNeil again. He certainly hasn't this season. That's part of the reason they've been so rough. If they've had some guys that just really haven't uh, panned out for them, Jeff McNeil being one that they, I think they thought was going to be a solid number two hitter for them, and he just has yeah. not been that. But He's still waiting know, for the car. I, I told you the story a few weeks ago. Lindor promised him a car if he won the batting title last season, and he goes and wins the batting title and still hasn't got the car yet. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. So, uh, you know, I'll start actually with Pete Alonso because a week ago in the AMA, people kept telling me like, oh, you know, there's a theory that his wrist, you know, he came back too early from the wrist and that's why the power's not there. There are people panicking. And I'll always say the same thing. Number one, I am not a doctor. Very few of us are. And even if we are, we haven't seen the medical charts from a guy like Pete Alonso. Mm -hmm. And what I will always do, and, and sure, it burns me once in a while, but more often than not, it doesn't. I believe in the power hitter right? Power hitters are streaky by nature. Yes, and there's are. not, there is just not always a good reason or a, a clear explanation as to why a power hitter goes through a drought, right? It, it just, it happens sometimes. It's just the way that that sort of profile works itself out, right? Even Aaron judge can go on some droughts, right? Because power hitters, they just, you know, they have to swing hard. They have to be guessing, right? And sometimes they just get into a bit of a funk and there's not a better explanation than it, than that. You know, on one hand, they, you know, many people believe that the, the concept of clutch has been disproven, but they have not disproven the concept of hot and cold. That mm -hmm. is just something that happens. So, uh, he was, he was a little cold and I tried to tell people, don't worry about it. Keep him in the lineup. You can't sit him. Just let advice. Just, it's mm -hmm. going, it's going to come. And of course it's easy for me to say that now because it did, but I was just as confident then as I am now. Right. So this was like 10 days ago and I was still just as confident. I said, look, it's going to happen. I'm not going to start speculating about injury unless I can really see something different. Right. Like all of a sudden there's like this huge strikeout spike or, you know, the EV drops way off the table and it's clear that something's off. Uh, but it, otherwise you expect the power to come. And sure enough, it did. Maybe it's because the risk got healthier. Maybe it's because there was nothing wrong with it in the first place. But we don't have a good way to know which of those is true. And it also doesn't really matter. We can just trust in the power hitter. Uh, and then for Aaron Judge, I think he's someone who, if I thought he was going to play the rest of the season and had no injury risk, he would be my number uh, four hitter right now. Uh, he'd, he'd be behind... Ronald Acuna, he'd be behind Shohei Otani, and it'd be tough for me between him and Fernando Tatis. So that's where I would have him. The problem is I don't feel that confident I about would put that. Him ahead of Tatis, by the way, I'm sorry. No, it's fine. <laughs> this that's Tatis fine. is so think, streaky lately, and you even yeah, mentioned it in your hitter list article. But don't get yeah, me wrong. I mean, Tatis. Yeah, is yeah. Good. So he's he's in that. Fan. Yeah. So Aaron Judge is in that top tier. That yes. that that top no tier doubt. would expand no if I thought the risk was the same. Tatis mm -hmm. does have performance risk, but my issue with Judge right now is health risk. Mm -hmm. Right. I just simply do not know if he will stay healthy. It looks like he probably will. And if you believe that he will, you should be rating him as a top four player. And if you're trying to take on risk, because maybe you're sixth in a 14 playoff or you're eighth in a 16 playoff, then you have a chance, right? Go ahead and make that move. Go and try to get an Aaron judge. I know that he'll probably be hard to pry away from folks, but this is a guy who, um, who, if you believe, if you feel confident, which it's hard to do, right? But you can go with your gut. If you believe he's going to play every single game the rest of the way, or at least the vast majority of them, 90% of the games the rest of the way, that's a top four, top three hitter, uh, period. And you will get some sort of discount because there's going to be people right now that think they're selling high because he's back and they think he's going to be hurt again. 
Same goes the other way. If you're trying to mitigate risk, this is a Aaron judge. Unfortunately is one way to do that, right? If you can get yourself another top six, top seven hitter for Aaron judge, because you need to mitigate risk. It's something you can think about doing. But again, you really, this is more of a thing where you're in first, you've got a ton of depth and you want to, you know, you're, you've got other risk at the top, right? Like you've got a Fernando Tatis as well. Um, and you want to get the highest return. It's probably for Aaron judge. So that's something you could consider, right? It's not because I think he's going to be bad. It's because mm-hmm. he's risky. And sometimes what you're trying to do is not just get more stats, mm-hmm. uh, especially in a position where you're in a head to head with a playoff. It's less about getting more stats all the time. And sometimes it's about mitigating risk, right? Yeah. So uh, let's take a look at a couple of trades. I love doing this. Yahoo has this trade uh, market part to their website. So um, uh, Aaron Judge for Chris Bassett and Austin Riley. No, no. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I get it. Maybe in a points league where pitching is like really heavily favored and Austin Riley, I mean, projections love Austin Riley. Some of them have the him as high as a top five hitter the rest of the way. I'm not quite there yet uh, because as a power hitter, he can be streaky, but uh, Austin Riley isn't quite the level I'd want. Like maybe him, him plus Bassett feels a little light. I, I think I'd want a pitcher that I feel a little bit better about, but about at this? the same go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, uh, how about, and this makes sense. If you're looking, if you've been able to uh, tread water without judging your lineup for several weeks, uh, Aaron Judge, and you need pitching help. Aaron Judge for Garrett Cole. Perfect. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, again, this is a risk mitigation, mm-hmm. right? I think, I think most of us straight up might want Judge, like on draft day. Mm-hmm. But today, right now, there's, in terms of need plus risk mitigation, I think this is pretty darn good because Garrett right. Cole is still a, 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 an oh, elite yeah. pitcher. Uh, and he's one of the most durable that we've got, right? right? in terms of guys at that level durability, I mean, he's there. So that is a risk mitigation for sure. And I like that. I think that's the caliber of player you need to be looking for. Uh, And honestly, Garrett Cole might be a little like one of the worst quote unquote worst players that I'm kind of looking at. Um, There's not a ton of pitchers who are up in that level and most people won't give you Spencer Strider. So, Mm. I mean, I think I, I actually, I really like that Garrett Cole for your judge. Yeah. makes sense. If you, if you're looking for uh, starting pitching help and unfortunately uh, Garrett Cole has been pitching, uh, lights out, but just can't get any wins because the Yankee bullpen doesn't uh, hold game uh, hold leads for him, and sometimes he'll step out of a game tied, whatever. But uh, one last one, um, and I don't really like this one. Aaron Judge for Yuri Perez uh, from the uh, got to be a dynasty league, yeah. got to be. Yeah. Otherwise, it makes absolutely no sense. Yuri Perez is some you know. Obviously, I'm going to let Nick talk about pitchers, and mm-hmm. I'm going to let on the farm with Lamar talk about prospects and all that stuff. Uh, for me, sure. the thing about Yuri, I keep getting asked, like, when do we expect him back? Do we expect him back? The problem is the the Marlins have no real reason to be all that upfront with us about what they're going to do. What we know is that we should expect, I don't know, 35 to 40 more innings from him. The problem is we have no idea how that's going to work. Is it going to be like some four inning starts uh, and maybe a fewer, you know, but with regular rest, are we going to see a couple long starts and then extended rest where he gets like whole, he gets skipped a couple times and it's really going to change how valuable he is to you because like in a, in a points league or a head to head league where you're really contending, Yuri Perez could be someone really tough because he's going to eat up that roster spot and you might, you know, there's not really much you can do. He's also hard to trade because you don't know what you can get. You're in a bit of a bind and that's really true of all the guys that we could see rest for. We don't know what's going to happen with Brian Wu. We don't know what's going to happen with Yuri Perez. We don't really know what's going to happen with uh, Bryce Miller. 
We don't know how they're going to, we know that they might get rest. We just don't know how it's going to come. Mm-hmm. Right. So you got to just kind of keep your ear to the ground. And you also just have to accept that it's a big piece of risk and you may try to mitigate it. You might not be able to, but don't expect clear answers unless the teams actually come out and say it. Uh, but, you know, again, I do think Yuri Perez has more starts in him. And if you have a deep bench, you absolutely have to hold him. If you have a shallow bench, it's going to be tough. You probably have to. Uh, but after he gets his next start, you might start looking for someone who's willing to take on that risk if you're not. Mm-hmm. I'll throw one last one to you before we take our first break. Aaron Judge and Josiah Gray for Garrett Cole and Mookie Betts. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Give me Garrett Cole and Mookie Betts. All day. Mookie Betts is my number four hitter right now. Yeah. Um, Plus all the uh, position Second base shortstop outfield. Yeah. Oh, that's. Yeah. Wow. Jos- mm-hmm. Josiah, Josiah Gray. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I mean, Josiah Gray's been okay this season, but holy cow. That, Don't say that's anything because a... his mother might be listening to the podcast. Don't insult oh, no- Josiah Gray. Nothing wrong with Josiah Gray, but like you listed four names. Which one sticks out to you? Right. <laughs> Aaron Judge, Garrett Cole, Mookie Betts, Josiah Gray. Josiah Gray's been a heck of a pitcher this year, and the slider's been a lot better. Uh, you know, he gave up too many home runs before. He still gives up a couple now, but he's been better. But like, he's not a top 10 overall player right now. And the other four guys are uh, yeah. arguably right. Garrett Cole might be a little bit on the outside of that, but uh, just depending on how you value pitching, but good Lord. Yeah. All day. I, I would trade. I mean, if you're trying to mitigate risk or, or get some different positions, I would do Aaron judge for Mookie Betts straight up. Mm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Assuming it's one of your needs, right? Yeah. Um, because Mookie can play second, he can play short. Um, and it's not as though, even if, you know, even if Judge played every day, how much better would Judge be, right? In terms of power, obviously there's more, but overall, it's not going to be by necessarily as much. And once you factor in the risk, the health risk, Mookie's got none. Aaron Judge has quite a bit. Right. I, I think that would be that would be an interesting offer to people too. Yeah. The two areas I think that Judge has over bets is at this stage of his career, I think Judge will hit for a bit of a higher average than than bets. And like you said, you know, he had a few more home. He's got more power, no doubt. I mean, we saw that Betts in the home run derby doesn't have the raw power, but game in gameplay, he tends to hit uh, plenty of home runs. So uh, good stuff. Uh, I, I always find that fun to see what trades are happening in in specific leagues. But uh, why don't we take our first break here and maybe we'll talk a little bit more Mets. We could talk uh, some Rangers who picked up Scherzer and talk about more players on your hitter list. And we'll talk about all of that right after this. This podcast is sponsored by Underdog. Want to make money making picks on MLB games and you have to try Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. In Underdog's Pick'em game, you just pick your favorite baseball players and predict whether they will go higher or lower on stats like strikeouts, hits, and more. Pick to two to five players, get all your picks right, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Be sure to sign up with the promo code PITCHERLIST and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100 so you have some bonus cash to start playing with. Again, that's underdogfantasy.com or underdogfantasy in the app store. Sign up with promo code PITCHERLIST and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Must be 18 year older, 19 year older in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1 800 Gambler or visit www.ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1 800 Next Step. In New York, call 1 8 Hope and Y. In Tennessee, call 1 800 889 9789. Fads come and go. 
and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, we're back. Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. I am Joe Galina. You could follow me at Joe Galina on Twitter. And uh, you can follow my buddy Scott Chu at If The Chu Fits. And uh, so we talked a little bit about uh, the trade where Max Scherzer was sent over to the Rangers. Uh, he's owed $58 million between the rest of this season and next season. Uh, he had an opt-out, but he's not going to. Why would he? Because he's set to earn somewhere around $43 million next year. Who the heck would give him that if he opted out? But Mets are eating $35 million out of that $58 million. Uh, Got to love – I don't know. I love this deal for the Rangers. I mean, you know, you got Scherzer as a warrior – and they have him through the end of next season. And then, then let's say if he retires or whatnot or you know, signs another deal someplace else, the following season, Jacob DeBron would come back from Tommy John. I mean, uh, how smart is the Rangers front office looking now, Scott? Yeah, I mean, it, one, it's nice to have someone else foot a bunch of the bill, right? Yeah. Max Scherzer still gets the strikeouts, right? No doubt about it. He strikes out over 10 guys per nine innings. The big difference this year with Scherzer, I think, than in years past, especially lately, he's giving up more home runs, right? Just recently, he had a four home run game. He gave those up to Boston a little uh, a little over a week ago. Uh, he's had some two home run games, three home run games. So, so home runs have been a little bit of a problem for Scherzer. I do think he can work that out. Uh, I mean, he's a savvy vet, 39 years. I just turned 39 uh, a couple days ago. But, you know, he's he's there. I think I think this is a good move for them, because if there was one weakness for the Texas Rangers, it was the rotation. I mean, there's only so far that like a Nathan Eovaldi can carry you because he just has so many durability issues. Hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. uh, DeGrom, you know, obviously he might not be back until he actually might not be back until Scherzer's contract is done. Right. Yeah, that, and that's then what I'm season. saying. Yeah. He might be back. Uh, yeah. 25, 2025. Right. Yeah. So you, you get you get an armed. I mean, obviously, nobody is Jacob DeGrom, but you get a guy who's been more durable than Jacob DeGrom over the last several years should have at least one more season in him. So and you get a guy, I think, that the fans are going to like because Max Scherzer is, is an intense guy. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, he's he's oh, a yeah. lot of fun. He's a lot of fun to root for. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, this team's got the pop, like I, their lineup isn't super deep and, you know, guys like Ezekiel Duran aren't producing the way they did yeah, earlier this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, and he's someone that I keep getting asked about dropping and, and is when he's near the bottom of the order, him and Leody Tavares have both, you know, Tavares has been a little bit better, but both hit at the bottom of the lineup. They're hard to rely on long-term. They're both young players, but otherwise, I mean, the middle of this lineup, you got to like, you got to like Nate. Nate Lowe, you got to like, uh, or Nate Lowe, you got to, uh, Lowe, sorry, Nate Lowe, yeah. you got Ad- Adoles Garcia, 
Um, I think Josh Young is going to turn th- Josh Young is going to turn things around. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's had some strikeouts lately. Uh, the power, you know, so obviously the numbers aren't quite there. They're getting a little bit better, and I do think he'll turn it around. I think he'll make the adjustment. I- I'm really excited about his future. Marcus Semien turning things around a bit lately uh, after having a little bit of a slow a month or two in in June and early July. Uh, they, they've got some other pieces they can move around, but yeah, it was the rotation, right? Because yeah. this rotation right now has like seven guys in it and you don't feel good about that many of them, right? Mm-hmm. You've got Nate Avaldi, who is still performing well, but you never quite know when that's going to go out. You've got John Gray, who's, uh, you know, reliable, but not necessarily lights out. He's not someone in the playoffs. Anyone's worried about Andrew Heaney is very up and down, uh, you know, Dane Dunning. He's not a guy I want to rely on long-term. Martin Perez, when the command is off, he gets lit up. And now, now you've got Max Scherzer to really anchor that, like to be yes. that that game one guy, that game five or game seven guy. You need that in the playoffs. I think Max Scherzer gives that to them. Yeah. Um, I still reminds really like... me of when CeCe Sabathia, I don't know if you're old enough to remember, when he got traded oh, yeah. to the Brewers, and he just pitched lights out for the rest of the season. Oh, they put him on like three days rest. Yeah, they, I yeah. mean, it was it was amazing, and they're not going to quite do that with Scherzer, but it's the same concept, right? They yes. needed they needed that anchor, and I, and I do like this bullpen. I mean, adding a Roldis Chapman to it made no sense to me at all. Just to be clear, because there are rumors they had- that they might trade for Josh Hader. <laughs> Could you imagine? Now, now, if they want a real closer, that's fine, mm-hmm. right? But you know, the the problem with the Roldis Chapman is they already had a good left handed late inning reliever, yeah, Will Smith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So a role Chapman doesn't bring anything that Will Smith couldn't give them. And Will Smith has been better. Mm-hmm. Right. He's been yep. better lately. He's been better this season. So that made no sense to me. Um, and then, you know, they do it. Josh Spores is back. He's a guy I actually kind of like it. Mm-hmm. He's sneaky, sort of like maybe saves holdies. He doesn't always get a ton of holds, but in AL only leagues, he's kind of interesting because he's been pitching really well. Jose Leclerc, who started the season as a closer, he throws like a big variety of fastballs. He has like four different fastballs that he throws. Uh, and you know, he's not really too. been, yeah, he's not been super successful as a closer, but he is good in the back of that bullpen. So, uh, you know, this, and this lineup is going to get a lot stronger when they get Jonah Heim and Corey Seager back. Right. So hopefully Texas they get now, Heim back. Cause yeah, hopefully. if he needs surgery, he might be done for the year, but, uh, yeah. And, and as have... far as, you know, just, just real quick, because yeah, I get asked sure. a lot about closer yeah. or about catchers to replace yeah, him with. Yeah. If you just want power, don't care about the ratios. Mitch Garver does have some. Don't yes, look for that. Thir- I, I mean, mention. people, re- they remember that 30 home run season, and mm-hmm. it was in 2019. Right. So got to take that with a grain of salt. I mean, I, I often push people towards, um, you know, both catcher-eligible guys in Pittsburgh right now are, are very interesting. Henry Davis, mm-hmm. because he plays every day in the outfield. Andy Rodriguez, who start like, he had like seven strikeouts in his first nine at-bats or something like that. But since then, he's been much, much better. He's had a pretty strong weekend so far. I like Andy Rodriguez. Um, obviously, if Francisco Alvarez is still in your league, I'd go get him. But there are plenty of catchers out there. They just might not be worth the same you know, they won't be quite as reliable as Jonah Heim has been this season, mm-hmm. uh, who honestly really surprised me. I thought early on, I just thought Jonah Heim was a hot catcher, but um, he's really turned it around. But, you know, yeah, another I, guy that the people can, if they have the room, maybe stash. And he got some good news is Logan Ohapi, who was initially expected to be out almost through the end of the year with the they weren't thinking that he was going to come back until September, but got some recent news where he's starting to take some batting practice might be back sometime in August. And remember that uh, nice start that he got off to. So he's somebody that you could stash. 
Yeah, and I think one other name that I would just bring up is someone who's playing a lot more uh, with the return of Jordan Alvarez than I thought he would is Yanir Diaz. Yanir Diaz is getting a lot more plate appearances than I thought he would. He's playing more than enough for a catcher. He's got some pop. He's someone that I would look at. And of course, uh, we've talked about Kybert Ruiz uh, quite a few times. He's been... You know, he's not quite as hot as he was last. Yeah, he's not Mm -hmm. quite as hot as he's been last week, but especially in a points league, this guy does not strike out. So uh, he's someone that puts the ball in play a lot. He's someone I'd be looking at. So so those are those are some names. Um, Jan Gomes is hot, but I don't really care. Uh, Cal Raley is sort of hot. I, I, you know, well, you know, he's had a decent season. I wouldn't say he's hot, but uh, Kybert Ruiz over the last 15 days has actually been the best catcher in a lot of formats. So he's probably my priority ad. If he's already rostered in your league, which he is in quite a few, Yanir Diaz is one. Cal Rayleigh uh, is one I think about. I'm not thinking about Alejandro Kirk, guy who was a top 10 catcher kind of all over the place uh, earlier season. Yeah, you have it in he's, for Alejandro Kirk. I just, I'm not a big fan. He had a two homer game uh, mm-hmm. earlier this weekend, and that's cool, but I just don't think he's got power. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, well, I don't think he has power that you should care about that much. He's slugging uh, 364 on the season, and I think that at his best, over any extended period of time, he is a uh, Alejandro Kirk is a slug 400 kind of guy. Right. So um, unfortunately I, I don't, I just don't think there's a lot more to him than that, but yeah, Henry Davis, uh, Andy Rodriguez, who, you know, hasn't been great lately, but I think I do expect more. Um, but my priority ads are probably uh, Kybert Ruiz. If he's out there, William Contreras, if he's out there uh, and then Henry Davis or Yanir Diaz, those are the four catchers I'm probably looking at most. Mm-hmm. Okay, and one last thing on the Rangers, uh, Corey Seager, who's been out with a thumb injury, got a cortisone shot, and hopefully will be back soon. And he's just been amazing for the Rangers, batting three fifty with a four thirteen OBP and a six thirty one slug, fifteen homers, fifty eight stolen bases. So uh, they should, uh, I mean, hold it on to first place as of Sunday, June thirtieth. But the Astros are surging, so we'll see how long yeah. they can hold on. Last thing I'll say is the return of Corey Seager. If you haven't dropped Ezekiel Duran by the return of Corey Seager, I think that's going to be the time. I think the playing time will really start to dry up. Then Duran's been a guy who it's been hard to find playing time for him all season. Um, And he's been getting everyday reps at shortstop. I think those are going to fade and he'll go back to a platoon with a guy like Travis Jankowski. Yep. Good stuff. So uh, we knew this was happening, but you know, uh, Shohei Otani's not going anywhere as the trade deadline approaches on Tuesday, August 1st. And by the way, I, I know that uh, Nick Pollock and Paul Spore are doing uh, a broadcast uh, as the trade deadline winds down. So be sure to you know check out where that's going to happen. I'll, I'll be listening to that and watching that. But uh, yeah, so Shohei's not going anywhere, which is which is cool for the Angels because it's not like I, I didn't want them to throw in the towel. You know, uh, Trout's going to be back before the end of the year, right? But uh, uh, so, but unfortunately, Taylor Ward, who has been coming on, you know, we spoke about him several weeks ago, but uh, now hits the IL with facial fractures after getting hit by a pitch by Alec oh. Manoa. Oof. Ugly, right? And uh, so with Ward on the shelf, uh, you know, Mickey Moniak continues to get playing time. Hunter Renfro, who I was able to pick up, believe it or not, on the waiver wire. Um, you know, and he's not yeah, rough the, season for not, rough yeah, season not for as Hunter many home Renfro. runs as, as he's hit in the past. But, you know, a 250, 30 homer kind of guy. And, and they're going to go with a Trey Cabbage, too. So um, unfortunately, usually in this spot, you'd see them call up Joe Adele, but he's on the IL as well. 
yeah, so, you know, big bummer about Taylor Ward. Hopefully he's back soon. He was really heating up, and, yeah. and he, I really liked his upside for the rest of the season. If you're looking for a replacement outfielder, the first one I'm looking at right now is Lars Newtbar. Lars Newtbar has been playing a lot for the Cardinals lately. He's someone that will, they'll sometimes even put towards the top of their lineup, uh, especially in OBP leagues. He's, he's really good with that. Uh, on the season, a 379 OBP. So he's got some power, got some pop, and I just think overall it, it can be really good. Uh, with what he's able to do so that's probably the first one I'm looking for uh, in terms of that I'm not again I've said a lot of times I'm not a huge fan of Mickey Moniak I think at some point that is going to dry up Uh, he just does not make much contact does not walk so he really has to maximize what he gets out of each hit and that's hard to do over an extended period of time but hey he's going to continue to get opportunities so you certainly don't need to cut him yet I'm just saying I'm don't be surprised if an extended slope comes so uh, that could be a little tough yeah, so I, I'm really bummed about Taylor Ward, and I'm not really that interested in anybody the the Angels call up to replace yeah. him. Uh, to replace him, I think you're going to need to look at at other rosters. Gotcha. This would be a good spot for us to take a, a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk some more uh, trade deadline rumors and the fantasy applications. And uh, also, we'll uh, talk uh, about a few more players that are moving up and down Scott's hitter list right after this and we're back hacks and jacks of fantasy baseball podcast joe galena and scott chu and he has a special guest with him yeah yeah if you hear some uh if you hear some small sounds that's just my daughter harlow uh she really wants to be fed right now and be held uh because without attention she thinks she's going to perish so uh <laughs> Just just holding her, feeding her, and uh, and talking about baseball, baby. Yeah. I wonder if this is the first <laughs> you know, uh, fantasy baseball podcast that's been done uh, with one of the co-hosts holding an infant and f- feeding an infant in his arms. Yeah, actually, well, I did this once towards the end of one of, of, one of our podcasts uh, like two months ago. But mm. it was I kind of had it like under the table. Uh, I just well, had snuck, I just had to grab snuck, her. He snuck just, it in. I didn't see. Just just incognito uh, <laughs> feeding a baby. Uh, she was she was of course a bit smaller then, but yeah now now she just uh, she wants to eat this kind of slow and I don't feel like waiting. So that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Last segment anyway. So um, you know, like I said, we're recording this uh, July thirtieth. Right now it's about twelve thirty. So uh, the. MLB trade date deadline is looming, and, and there's a lot of the the rumors have to do with pitchers. Like you know, obviously with the Mets cleaning house, Justin Verlander might be on the move. Jordan Montgomery from the Cardinals might be on the move. Uh, Jack Flaherty, uh, Blake Snell, the Padres might be sellers, and even uh, Soto might be uh, on the block. But Josh Hader might be on the block. Eduardo Rodriguez, your guy from the Tigers. But uh, some other names, uh, Cody Bellinger uh, has been talked about being moved, but the Cubs are kind of still in it in the NL Central, so you don't know. Cardinals uh, seem to be uh, rumored to be in full sell mode, but of course they've been looking to get rid of Tyler O'Neill if possible, maybe Brandon Donovan uh, to the Yanks. That's been one of the rumor. Another big rumor, Cardinals moving Nolan Arenado to the Dodgers. I think he has a no trade, but he's from California, so you never know. He might just waive it. Uh, imagine the Dodgers having corner infielders of Freddie Freeman and Nolan Arenado. I mean, uh, they already traded for Ahmed Rosario, and you had talked about that in your hitter list and just wondering if he might be a part-time player and that might kind of hurt Ahmed Rosario's uh, fantasy value moving forward. Yeah, Rosario... 
so I talked about this with Zach Geloff earlier in the podcast, but Rosario is a guy who, you know, Rosario, he's not like a, he was once a high regarded prospect, but he's not like an elite talent player, right? He needs opportunity. He wasn't an elite talent player with the Mets either. He needs to be able to play every day. He needs to be able to hit near the top of the order. The guardians can let him do that. I don't think the Dodgers will. Right. So he's already sat once since putting on the blue. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not going to be terribly surprised if they continue to sit him against, you know, tough righties because the Dodgers have other guys to put in that the Guardian simply didn't. Right. Right. Yeah. So Ahmed Rosario sitting twice a week or even, yeah, just like even twice a week is way, way, way less interesting to me because he was a guy that really needed a lot of plate appearances to accumulate stats. He was never going to hit a ton of home runs. He steals bases a little bit, but the Dodgers aren't going to need him to do that as much. He's not going to get as many opportunities down at the bottom of the lineup. Uh, this this was not a good land for uh, Ahmed Rosario. And before, before we get too far to trade deadline talk, I want to mention one thing that has come up a lot in the AMA, on Twitter, a lot of these things. There are not many good trader candidates, uh, closing closing trade candidates, right? So every year we talk about who's going to get closing opportunities with the trade deadline. There are not many obvious ones. The bad teams don't have good closers to move. Hmm. And the teams that are making these trades, most of them don't need a closer, right? So, uh, you know, Josh Hader is a closer anywhere he goes. And we can talk about what happens if the Padres do it, but it would be a surprise. Um, and, And any team that trades for him is going to want him to close. You wouldn't expect to see Josh Hader go to a team that doesn't want him to close because that would be silly because you're going to have to pay a closer price. But yeah, like I said, the well, Rangers were rumored, but the you know they already traded. And, and if they Chapman, did, it yeah. would be to close because yeah. you know most teams would rather have a you know a guy like him closing if they've got him right. So, so that's the hardest thing is there's not obvious like they're trying to move this closer. Like even the Tigers, who are a team that are always talking about you, know, they were always trying to move Gregory Soto. Uh, Alex Lang's not that enticing. Mm-hmm. And even if he went somewhere, he probably wouldn't close, right? It probably right. means like Jason Foley gets a shot to close. Like that's like one of the easier ones. Yeah. Um, I don't think the angels are going to try to move Carlos Estevez. Uh, if they it. did, if they're, yeah. They're, since they're, you know, not being sellers right now. And he's been surprisingly lights out this year. If you look at his stats. Yeah. So, Estevez. and that's the other thing is that the teams that have a closer to trade, Many of them don't have a clear number two guy that I think they try to pull in. Um, I mean, I'll like tell you one, one of the guy. Things... Can, I, can I just interject? Yeah. Paul Seawalt for the Mariners. Uh, there's been rumors that they might listen to, uh, you know, offers for him. And, you know, we've been, not we, but the baseball community has been waiting for Andres Munez to take over uh, for a while. So he's an obvious number two right there. But you're right. There aren't yeah, many. That's that's, I mean, I'm glad you mentioned that one. Cause that's the biggest one, yeah. right? Like that's the one where I think everybody, you, there is like a clear guy that would come in, mm-hmm. be the guy. Uh, and, and that would make sense. You know, I wouldn't expect the guardians to move a guy like Emmanuel class. And even if they did, I think they'd move into a, uh, like a rotation. I think if the tigers moved Alex Lang and I don't think they will, mm-hmm. they'd probably go into rotation. Cause Jason Foley hasn't been that reliable throughout the season. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think that the Royals are going to move Scott Barlow. Uh, He's been let's see, slumping I, too lately. So yeah, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't see, even if the angels moved Estevez, it would probably move into like a, a two man committee with Matt Moore and Ronaldo Lopez. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Trevor may is all that enticing to anybody for the, uh, for the athletics. And Mm -hmm. even if they moved him, there's not a clear number two guy. Uh, I mean, I could just go through bad teams. And uh, so we did see David Robertson get moved. And Mm -hmm. I thought that meant 
Adam Adovino would just be the guy, but even that looks like a committee, right? right? Joel like it looks like he's going to, you know, you, he said, you're going to be surprised as to who closes out games for us. So that looks like a yeah, very which, fluid situation. You know, last thing we want to hear. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, those of those folks that are really desperate for, um, like for a closer, unfortunately just aren't going to have the trade market open that up. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's just going to be, you're going to have to go back to old fashioned looking at guys who sort of get, get saves. Right. And, and right. just sort of moving them up. Even if the Padres move hater, I'm not sure if Robert Suarez or Steven Wilson get the job to themselves. Right. Right. It's just mm-hmm. not very clear. Maybe like, so the giants have had a bit of a rough season, although I think they still have a shot for the playoffs. Um, Camilo Doval would be a guy they could move, but even then you probably just see a committer committee with Tyler and Taylor Rogers. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. you know, I go through all those, not because like I'm, we have a relief pitching podcast. You should check it out. Rick Graham is my fellow senior fantasy analyst. He's been at this in a while. I really like the work he does. And you know, I wouldn't be shocked if they tell you the same thing. There's just not many clear once this guy get moves, he's the guy sort of movements. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good stuff. Um, so um, back to the Cardinals, if they did end up moving uh, Nolan Arenado, uh, would it be uh, Nolan Gorman? I mean, I guess, you know, you talked about him, you know, having hot and cold streaks, you know, uh, I guess he would, you know, take over at third base and you, you look at, he's had a, a fine season, 22 home runs, 65 RBI, the overall batting average. So, so 242 uh, over the past couple of weeks, batting 325 with five home runs. But do you think that that might entice the Cardinals to move Arenado more, obviously to save on uh, his contract, but the fact that they have Nolan Gorman behind him, you know, that's tough because, Arenado is such a good defensive third baseman as Absolutely, well. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's, he's a, he's a rock, right? Incredibly consistent. I would be obviously like anytime we talk about an elite player, I will always say I will be surprised if he goes because you need a lot of things to work out to make that happen. Uh, I think if it did, I wonder if Jordan Walker would get some time back at third base. It's his primary position last season. He was, mm-hmm. he's an outfielder this year, but God knows the Cardinals have too many freaking outfielders. No matter what they do, they've got too many outfielders. That could be a way uh, that Jordan Walker gets more time. Get questions about Jordan Walker a lot still. He, he's not been good uh, lately. He's, you know, he's actually struggling quite a bit, but he's still playing mostly every day. And, you know, I mean, they send them up and uh, I mean, send them down. I mean, uh, it's just he's leave them alone. Let them play. <laughs> there, there's a reason that a lot of people I respect on like who judge prospects mm-hmm. still really like Jordan Walker. He's okay. having a rough season. Keep in mind that he only entered the league in, in 2021, mm-hmm. right? Uh, he was drafted in the 2020 draft. So, I mean, he's, he hasn't played that much, right? This is a 21 year old kid. Uh turns out not all 21 year old kids just come out and start smacking the ball. You know, they're mm-hmm. not all Fernando Tatis. They're not all Julio Rodriguez who in their first season just explode. So, I mean, I mean, we're already seeing this, you know, Christian Encarnacion strand has been a little bit disappointing. I think people hoped he would just explode out the gate. Ellie, you know, Ellie De La Cruz on that same team has really oh, struggled of late. Yeah. yeah. So, so like prospects, Prospects are up and down. I believe in Jordan Walker long term. I think if you're in redraft, you can go ahead and let him go in 12 team leagues uh, and and look for other options in your outfield or third base. But you know, Jordan Walker is a guy who I think long term, 
I don't know if they want him to be a third baseman, but it would give them an opportunity to let him play more uh, and let Nolan Gorman keep playing second base. And, you know, Brendan Donovan can kind of move around to DH and second base. They have a lot of moving parts. So yeah, they do. I, mm-hmm. I wonder if that would be the move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned uh, Dela Cruz and I want to talk about him in a minute, but uh, another guy, another red player that uh, rumored to possibly be moved is Jonathan India. Uh, and uh, he's down 15 slots on your hitter list, and you got to wonder if the Reds are using your hitter list as a player evaluation tool, Deshkot. Uh, 14 home runs, 52 RBI, 12 stolen bases, with a 251 batting average for India. Um, what are you thinking about uh, India's potential uh, rest of season? Yeah, I mean, the first thing we got to find out is how that heel is, right? So he had an MRI uh, yet uh, on Saturday. So we're going to find out, you know, let's assume he's healthy because that's the interesting analysis. If he's not, then it's like nothing happens. He stays where he is. Uh, the the slug is like a tiny bit disappointing, but he's looking like, you know, he's he's kind of looking like he did back in 2021, right? Like the batting average isn't quite there, but that's not a huge surprise. Like we, I think most people felt that India played above his head in 2021, but I think he can definitely end this season as like a 20 home run uh, 15 stolen base kind of guy, maybe a couple more depending it, you know, if he gets a different team or something like that, but you know, and that's really in line with projections where he'll continue to be like a 250 to 260 hitter, 20 home runs, 15 stolen bases that that's a solid player. Mm. Uh, he's also a young player and, and something that makes sense in terms of like getting team control. Mm. Uh, he is ARB eligible next season yep. um, for 2024, but he's not a free agent until 2027. That means you've got team control. Team control is a, one of the biggest factors in terms of what do you get back? Yes. When you trade for a guy, what do you get back? Uh, you get well, they're back looking for more, pitching, right? Yeah. That's they're looking the, for pitching. Mm-hmm. I think Jonathan India would be quite a piece for a lot of teams, right? Mm-hmm. I think that there are, there are teams out there that could really use a young second baseman, like, you know, my own tigers, right? Mm-hmm. If they had a, if they had a guy worth it, man, I would love to see a, a package around Erod. I don't think it would work, but uh, that, you know, that would be nice. There are there are certainly teams that could use a young second baseman. He's only 26 and a half years old. Uh, I think the long-term projections are going to continue to be this guy who can hit 15 to 20 home runs, steal 10 bases, mm-hmm. uh, and and have good, you know, really good ratios. It's a little, you know, he's not like amazing in either batting average or OBP, but he won't hurt you in either one. Um, you know, he's not he's not that fun for slugging leagues because he he just, he hits some home runs, but he doesn't like crush a lot of doubles like that. That slug is not ever going to be, I think much above like a 400 to 425. Although there are good projection systems like the bat that think he can be a lot better, right? Mm -hmm. The bat is really high on him. So if you're a fan of of Derek Cardi's, the bat projections, you can know that they're really high on, on Jonathan India compared to the others. Uh, But yeah, so Jonathan India, a guy I like, it makes sense for the Royal or for the Reds to move him. If only because they have a super crowded roster, this is less about like getting pieces to compete this year, even though they are up there, right? Like it's weird because they're a team. I think that, you know, to get to the playoffs in the NL central, you have to win the NL central. It's kind of like the AL central, uh, you got to win it, right? So they need to overcome the brewers and weirdly, they're a team that can trade starting talent uh, and not prospects to get a return, right? So mm-hmm. most teams that are in contention can't move their everyday players because they don't have the depth. This team does. 
if you move Jonathan India, you still have plenty of places to put guys. You can put Encarnacion Strand and Nick Senzel uh, at third base. You can put Matt, Mc, you know, you can leave Matt McLean at shortstop, or you can move him to second base. Put Ellie De La Cruz uh, at shortstop, which was his original position, or you could move him to second. I mean, they've got moving parts; they can make that work. They've got Spencer Steer who can play third base, and they could let Joey Votto play first, mm-hmm. uh, and then Encarnacion Strand can also play first. They, they've got the moving parts. I think they could make it happen. So. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to see India move because not because I think it necessarily gives him anything better. I think he's in about as good of a position as he can be in. He plays every day. He hits uh, he hits for a young lineup that's very streaky, but when it's hot, it it's red, red hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and unfortunately, when it's cold, it's very, very cold like it is right now. Yeah. But I think India India's move could really open things up and make things better for, um, you know, particularly Christian Encarnacion Strand. Um, I'm not sure anyone else that isn't already fantasy relevant will become fantasy relevant. But we also know that like lots of players are getting off days, like once or twice a week. Mm-hmm. India's sat uh, recently. Joey Votto has sat recently. Spencer steer has sat recently. I think all of that stops if they move India. And I don't think they just, I don't think the reds lose that much. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, that's the one move that I think that has positive fantasy implications almost all around. Yeah. So since we're talking reds and, you mentioned Ellie Del Cruz. A shout out to you because you were warning everyone about his propensity to swing and miss. And we all know he started out as a house of fire, exciting player to watch. Of course, lots of talent, mega talented, uh, prospect, not a prospect anymore. He's in the majors, but uh, he's really come back down to earth of late. Overall K rate of, uh, I think it's 32.5%. Uh, last 13 games, batting 143 with a 222 OBP and a 327 slug. Uh, the uh, projections basically have him between five to eight more home runs for the end of the season and uh, eight to 11 stolen bases. But they um, they do believe that that his propensity to strike out is going to continue. They still see a, a over 30% strikeout rate for him. So in redraft leagues, do you try to trade him away before his value drops any further? I mean, he still has some star value, just the name, right? Or do you have hopes for a rebound? He's I've said this whole time. He's basically untradeable, right? Because mm-hmm. you need someone in your league that really believes in him. I, I think obviously the value's down a little bit right now, but that might entice folks who might think they're able to buy low. Look, he did not actually move that much in my hitter list rankings, despite the fact that in the second half, he has been one of, if not the worst hitters in baseball Mm -hmm. Uh, since the start of the second half. Like you mentioned a 143 average here in the second half, it's actually 123 Mm -hmm. uh, batting average, a 194 OBP, a 281 slug. That's good for a WRC plus of eight. So that's 92% worse than the average hitter. Uh, And the part that's maybe not super surprising is it's a 40.3% strikeout rate over his last 62 plate appearances. So, um, you know, originally I was worried that there was, I think if he had started out like this, he might have had to worry a little bit about being sent down. Uh, Instead, I don't think there's any chance he's sent down. Uh, I am thoroughly confused as to why the Reds have moved him into the leadoff spot. I, I have, I am not a fan of Ellie De La Cruz in the leadoff spot because uh, I pitchers can throw whatever they want at him for that very first at bat. And I think for a young player, you want him to be in good situations to hit. I think bases empty is a tough position for him. And you'd think that it would expand his ability to steal bases, but he's only actually successfully stolen one base in the second half. That's the part that's maybe a little concerning in that previously when he slumped, he'd still run. 
So you got fantasy production. You're just not getting anything from Ellie De La Cruz right now. And I've got bad news. There's nothing you can do about it. I think mm. Ellie De La Cruz needs to be in your lineup because on any given day, he can hit a home run. He can steal a base. He can do yeah. He's the kind of guy that can hit two home runs, steal two bases in the same day, right? I, I think there's nothing you can do about it. He's still hitting the ball very hard, right? Mm-hmm. His average exit velocity here in the second half is still 92 miles an hour. That's still very good. Um, he's still getting some barrels, right? He's only got three, which doesn't sound like much, but that's still good for an almost 10% barrel rate, right? Mm-hmm. He's got 32 batted balls. Uh, so, so it's not bad. The hard hit rate itself is 40.6%. So, you know, not bad. It's not as though he's just completely fallen off. You'd like to see that number higher, but, you know, what are you going to do? The real issue is just the strikeouts. There's mm-hmm. so many. I mean, multiple strikeout games, a lot late, lately, right? He had, you know, three multiple strikeout games in his last four. Uh, it's it's going to be ugly. This is just the roller coaster you're going to have to ride because mm-hmm. we also know just as well that he will go on these 15 game stretches where he is unstoppable. Yeah. I think there's still some of those left. You can't. That's why I say you can't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. You just, when you, when you took on Ellie De La Cruz, you had to accept that you were going to ride these highs and lows. And if you try to time them out, I think that would be a mistake, mm-hmm. right? The one yeah. exception would be points leagues that you lose a point for a strikeout redraft. I'm not saying you should cut him, but you might need to bench him right now until the strikeouts come down a bit, which I think they can. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they will, but I think they could, uh, Ellie De La Cruz's biggest weakness uh, coming to the major league level was definitely his hit tool, right? Mm. Because he's he's a plus or plus plus player in every other respect. His hit tool is not. It's actually a minus, right? I mean, it was it was never projected to be good. It wasn't that good in the minors either. Uh, it had gotten better this season for sure, but he was still like even with the improved plate discipline in the minor leagues, it was still a twenty almost twenty seven percent strikeout rate. Right. And so when you come to the majors, what do we say? We say, you know, look for at least five points tacked on. And that's what we're seeing. Um, and it's worse right now. It can get better. But with Ellie De La Cruz, I think it'd be very difficult to trade him. You can always ask around, see what you'll get. Um, I would definitely in redraft. I'd want a top 50 hitter in return. Actually, probably more like top 40. I think that might be hard to get, but that's what I would want. And dynasty, I think you should absolutely do nothing. I think you should sit on your hands and just deal with it yeah. because that's what you have to do sometimes with star talent. It, it slumps. Right. That's okay. Mm -hmm. Right now, what we don't have is the track record of a guy like Machado who slumped and all we said was just stay with it. Stay with it. Don't worry. We know it's going to turn around for Machado. uh, And we knew it would happen in the season. We don't know if that's true of Ellie De La Cruz because he's a young player and he needs to adjust and he needs to adjust at a level that's harder than anything he's seen before. So it could be tough. He'll continue to play every day. God, I hope they take him out of the leadoff spot. I just don't think that's a good place for him. Hmm. All right. Good stuff. Before we head out, uh, talk about two quick uh, shortstops. Trey Turner, we had talked about in previous podcasts how he had been slumping, uh, but in your Hitter List article, uh, you note that the uh, contact rates have you know bounced back a little bit and he's on an upswing, so might be time to move him. And I presume that you're talking about him redraft leagues, but uh, what do you think about him uh, in dynasty leagues? Man, that's even tougher because the problem with Trey Turner is that the skill set he brings to the table uh, doesn't generally age well, right? So stolen base guys, we tend to see big drop-offs. They happen really fast. Uh, He was never a big power hitter. He was always like a slappy guy, right? Um, He did hit 28 home runs in 2021, but other than that, like, you know, he's only hit 20 home runs twice Mm -hmm. in his long career. Uh, This season, he's almost certainly going to fall short of that. Uh, he's striking out a bit more this season. That's a little concerning. I think uh, it's, 
I, I don't know how concerned I am about the strikeouts because those, those things can go up and down. Um, here in the second half, that strikeout rate's 22.6%. That's certainly not bad, mm-hmm. right? It's just not very good. I think what I am looking at is uh, he didn't play on Saturday. And the weird thing that happened on Friday is that he hit seventh. Um, wow. That's that's weird, right? I have that's not huge. checked. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I have not checked lineups for today quite yet. But uh, if that continues to happen at times, I that is a major that is a major sign that the Phillies are starting to lose faith. Wow, you know, they're they starting them to that long contract too. Yeah. And I mean, the Phillies definitely are feeling pressure because they want to be a wild card team. I don't think, I mean, they're not going to be able to catch Atlanta who's 11 games ahead of them going into Sunday's action, but they're certainly in the hunt for a wild card spot. Hmm. Um, and they're not going to be able to let Trey Turner just work it out necessarily to get it. So uh, I, I am worried about, his lineup spot because that overall just like hurts his ability to pile up the other stats. Mm-hmm. I also, I don't see how you move him. He's not a guy that I want to buy low on uh, necessarily. I, I just, cause I, I've just been worried overall about him this season. I think that even uh, you said going from last season as well, he started to show some erosion. Yeah. We, we saw zone contact rates really fall off and it, <clears throat> That has come back. So so that's a good sign. You, I mean, if you've listened to me before, I love guys. I, I hate guys that miss in the zone. Yeah. It's just you got to be able to hit strikes. Mm-hmm. And he's he's doing that just fine. He's just not hitting them very well, mm-hmm. right? And, and quality of contact issues are the hardest thing to really judge, like, when they can turn that around, right? So uh, his, his overall hard hit rate isn't down that much. Uh, and nothing's down that much. But overall right? Like his max exit velocity is still quite low. Um, his, his barrel rate is down a little bit, but if you just look at the expected stats, the expected batting average has been a little unlucky. We expect that to be like, it's 253 over on baseball savant. I'm using savant because it's a little bit more predictive than our numbers. So pitcher list numbers, very descriptive, mm-hmm. slightly less predictive, uh, stat, uh, savant's numbers are less descriptive, uh, but a little bit more predictive. Neither of them are that good at predicting much of anything, uh, but it's more predictive. So I'm using that because we want to talk about him going forward. The problem is he's kind of hitting right in line with them, right? So it's hard to, you know, the predictive numbers don't suggest that this is going to get a lot better. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, that's a major problem, right? Like that's, yeah. that's not what we wanted to see for him. We're also seeing, um, you know, he's hitting more balls in the air, like a lot more balls in the air. And a lot of times I talk about how that's a good thing, but not if you're Trey Turner, because Trey Turner does not hit the ball very hard. Mm-hmm. We don't want Trey Turner hitting balls in the air because those are outs, right? He is someone that they need to be line drives and ground balls. Uh, that gives him the best chance to sort of get something through, get on base. So he's also not, he hit the, he pulled the ball considerably last season. He's not he, this season. He's back to like his career norms. It guys, it's not looking good. Mm. Uh, it, it's not, and it's not like I can point to a specific thing. I mean, he's been awful against fastballs, which is really weird. Uh, that should be his bread and butter. It's historically just been the the pitch he's best against uh, by a pretty wide margin compared to like sliders and, and curveballs and changeups and things like that. Uh, well, changeups, historically, he's had some very good seasons against them. Uh, but the fastball should be the bread and butter, and it's just not right now. And it's quality of contact. It's not the strikeouts. It's quality of contact, which means I have no idea right. when that's going to turn around. So lastly, before we say goodbye, 
Um, let's talk about another shortstop. Uh, you mentioned him briefly in the hitter list. Uh, Marco Luciano, who was called up by the San Francisco Giants this week. And uh, they seem to be going through sort of a, a youth movement. They started five rookies in Wednesday's game against the Athletics. Um, you know, you talked about him being a, a former highly touted prospect, but kind of waned off, uh, show some moderate power. Uh, batting average has been pedestrian at best in his minor league career. Uh so yeah, okay. in in dynasty leagues, obviously he's he's almost certainly still rostered, right? Mm-hmm. It, in even in deep keepers, my answer generally is no, not really. I mean, maybe fifteen team, obviously NL only. Anyone who's going to get played appearances is worth adding in fifteen teamers. Like maybe here's the problem: Marco Luciano's prospect shine has worn off because he has strikeout problems. Right. So even this season across double A AA and triple A, he's striking out about uh, 29.8% of the time. Right. That's not great. Uh, that, that's not what we want to see at all. It, it's kind of gotten worse as he's moved up levels. Right. He, he fixed it a little bit last season, but that was in high A. The moment he got to double A, we really started seeing the strikeouts come. It's going to be hard for Luciano to, to stay relevant, uh, especially for the Giants. If he's going to keep striking out, can he fix it? Sure. But we've also seen that, you know, it's not as though the giants have this great track record of taking their young prospects and fixing, fixing strikeout problems. I had hoped they'd do this for Joey Bart because they're really good at reclaiming veterans, Mm -hmm. right? They have not really shown that they're going to develop hitters all that much. So, um, I'm not saying this is going to end up like Joey Bart. These are two very, very different prospects, Mm -hmm. but, uh, Luciano has, uh, Really, I mean, really, he just has contact problems. The the, the hand, I mean, like it's it's almost. I I wonder if it's just like the hand eye, mm. right? Because the guy just misses, right? It's a lot of whiffs. He'll walk, he'll walk. But major league, I, I don't think he's going to walk more than average in the major leagues. Mm-hmm. And while overall the results were able to play out in the minors, I just don't think he's going to get enough easy pitches to hit to turn those numbers into something good. Gotcha. Right. So, you know, projections, not high on him. I think the ratios are going to be really, really bad. Um, he, he's not like a speed guy either. He did steal six bases in double a, but I really don't care. Cause like anyone can steal in the minors. Uh, he's not someone that has a lot of speed. I think he's going to hit the bottom of this lineup. I think he's going to strike out a lot. I think we're going to see him end up like sharing, uh, playing time with, with other guys. Cause they have some movable parts in that lineup. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure, you know, how long he's, you know, Tyro Estrada might be back at some point. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I, you know, I don't know when, cause it, you know, it's a fractured hand. It can take a little while. I think, you know, if, if Luciano is not out by then, uh, he will be <laughs> right. Uh, honestly, all this really does is, you know, I, I hope it doesn't take any time from like other players, uh, that I thought would play more. So it looks like they're going to start Luciano at second base here and there. Um, because Brandon Crawford is now back. Uh, mm-hmm. He came back earlier this weekend. Um, they didn't start him on Saturday, but you know, I think that he will. I, I'm, I'm worried. I, I just, I, three years ago, um, I think we all would have been really happy if, if Luciano was up by 2022, 2023, right. but, but with the degradation, well, with really the, not degradation with the hit tool, never maturing the way we hoped. It's just really hard to, to see fantasy relevance in 2023. Mm-hmm. All right. Great stuff as always, and uh, I believe that slams the lid on things for this week, Scott. And uh, so I just want to remind everybody to check in on uh, the Pitcher List trade deadline show with Nick Pollock and Paul Sporer. 
It's going to be on Playback TV, and uh, it's going to be at 3 p.m. on August 1st. Should be a fun time. I'm, I'm looking forward to listening to it. Yeah. And of course, um, because I'm, I'm, it, I guess. I'm, yeah. I'm not the company man. I should be, I will actually be on a trade deadline show as well, uh, for sports ethos, uh, oh, just, okay, just cool. for the three, just for the 3 PM hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so that'll be fun. Uh, you can check that out as well. Um, it'll be on YouTube. Uh, so, you know, it'll, it'll be, it'll be fun. Um, mm-hmm. obviously I'm just you know, interested to see, to, interested to see what, uh, shirt you're going to be wearing. Oh, oh yeah, I mean, uh, oh you know, dinosaurs for sure. Yeah, yeah. Are you okay. kidding me? I, I've got a reputation to uphold, Joe. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so uh, follow my man Scott Chu at If the Chew Fits. You can follow me at Joe Galina. Uh, just subscribe to our podcast and uh, leave us a review. If you think it's good, tell us. If you think it's bad, tell us. But uh, as always, we uh, hope that all of your fantasies become realities, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>